Hey everyone, this is PJ, and this is daily podcast number thirty-five. Um, something that I think a lot of us are getting into these days and spending more time engaging in is movies. And uh, I've been having fun discussions about movies with many of you. As a lot of people know I'm a big movie fan, and uh, I've gotten uh, text messages asking for movie recommendations. I've had a couple of Uh, lengthy discussions with friends about uh, our favorite rewatchable movies, and I'm sure a lot of you are um, kind of revisiting old movies that you enjoyed, or just browsing through Netflix and looking for the next thing to watch. And maybe it's a TV show and not just a movie. And so I, I thought it might be helpful to start a discussion, maybe for the next next few weeks, about just how we can, as Christians, wisely engage in movies. And um, this is also stemming from. Certain questions that I've gotten from some of you, um, and that is how we are to supposed to be thinking through movies. And sometimes people tell me, "You notice things in movies that I, I didn't notice." Well, and that really has nothing to do with me per se. It's really going in asking a certain set of questions that anybody can ask, and anybody can really discern with enough, I think, um, practice. So, um, kind of want to get to that point as well. But I think. Starting from broadly talking about how Christians can engage in a cultural medium like movies, and and then thinking about specifically how we can um, be discerning when we are sitting in front of a movie, I think that could be helpful for us, and especially for parents, how to filter things and discern things for their children as well, and engage in conversations uh, with their children. I think uh, this might be a helpful little uh, mini series to to get into. So. Um, let me introduce you to the source that I'm going to be using mainly in our discussion. Um, this is not something that I'm I'm somehow making up, or it's not original to me at all. Uh, there is a lengthy, uh, like a mini book written by the theologian John Frame, my systematic theology professor, philosophy professor back in seminary, and um, he he happens to be a big movie fan as well, and he's written this little. Book called Theology at the Movies is actually available entire in its entirety online on his website, uh, frame-poithrus.org, and the book is titled Theology at the Movies. and And what I want to do is just kind of walk through some of the very helpful principles that he talks about and kind of give you a more concise version of it. But nothing I say is really original to me. It's really a summary of what Dr. Frame is talking about and. Um, I find him to be uh, one of the most, if not the most, reliable living theologian today, thoroughly biblical, and uh, not only academically uh, and biblically grounded, but um, just his heart for the church. I think he does have a pastoral heart for the church, and, and that's something that shows through his writings as well. So, yeah, um, that's something you can look into in more detail if you would like. But um, I'm going to be just summarizing uh, and and sort of giving a more concise presentation of what he has uh, written. So for today, I want to talk about two main things um, to get us going. Uh, the first is the question, should Christians go to movies at all? Okay, Should they sit in front of a movie screen at all? And second, um, how are we to more broadly as Christians engage with culture? Okay, so should Christians go to movies at all? And if if so, how are we to engage with culture in general?
So when it comes to whether we should go to movies at all, um, the question itself does, you know, address kind of this very well-founded premise that the film industry and the the culture in Hollywood in general has a pretty strong anti-Christian bias, and it does very strongly um, communicate a moral relativism that um, truth and falsehood, right and wrong, it's really in the eye of the beholder. It's really something that you determine for yourself. You live your truth. You do you, that kind of message. And and that that's not uh, consistent with the um, message that we find in the Bible uh, when it comes to biblical ethics and Christian ethics and, and, and the fact that God in his very nature embodies uh, holiness, righteousness, goodness, and he is the standard by which we go about uh, discerning what is right and wrong. Now, um, so that sort of basic um, cautionary note, that's, that's well-founded. And so we do need to be aware of this aspect about our culture when we engage in, in movies. Uh, but we do have to watch out for the opposite extreme of that, and that is to try to completely um, separate ourselves uh, from the world in every uh, manner. Because the scripture tells us not to be of the world, but to be still in the world. And uh, sometimes I think the what, what we might call beware of the world type of sentiment can lead to a very, very extreme isolationism and um, overreaction to it, where it leads us to living somewhat outside of it, totally detached from the world, and thereby really limiting our witness to the world. And when the reality is we will always be in the world, uh, and yet we can't speak into it, that that in a sense is being of the world, just as much as uh, indulging in the world uh, would be. I mean, if we really can't speak to how the world or what the world what it really is communicating to us. I mean, that itself is, in a sense, being more of the world than anything else. So I think I'll start here, just acknowledging that being completely isolated from the world and its worldview is impossible, right? Uh, unless you are going to go live in a cave, you cannot, uh, you cannot be not in the world. You cannot live without any sort of non-Christian influence, Okay. Uh, to be in the world and to be light in the darkness, to be salt and light and city on a hill, you got to be on the hill. You got to be in the darkness. And so avoidance and uh, isolationism is not how we should be engaging uh, with the world. We are not to become like that lamp uncovered under uh, the basket and, and failing to emit light um, into the dark room. What we need instead is a wise way of being in the world, but not of the world. How can we continue to be salt and light in a fallen world and carry out God's mission? So that's the balance we have to, to strike, not being of the world, but still being uh, in the world. And this, of course, you know, uh, brings wisdom into the picture and, and your personal conscience into the picture. If, uh, uh, for example, like drinking alcohol, uh, makes you susceptible to drunkenness, well, then you need to avoid that. But understand that for some other people, 
uh, it, it, they're not susceptible to it in the same way. And it doesn't make them necessarily be of the world. They can still drink mod in modesty in moderate uh, amounts and with self-control and be a witness in that way as well. So different levels of uh, conscience, maturity, all of this comes into play. And so it, it becomes, it looks different in your application, in other words. And along those lines, not everybody is obligated to engage with uh, the film industry and, and Hollywood and uh, Disney movies and things like that. Um, this is something that uh, any Christian can by choice uh, in, in engage in and think about and um, share in, but you have, there's no obligation for you to be uh, partaking in any of this. So you can have somebody who's really not interested at all in, let's say, movies, right? Because, you know, it's secular or whatever, or they're just not interested in movies at all. But they they could be still very much in the world by uh, the way they engage with music, the way they engage in arts um, and uh, literature, poetry. They're frequenting the local museum. Um, there's so many other ways we can still be in the world and not of the world so movie is by no means one thing i mean it is one major thing it is a popular thing it makes the most amount of money and that's why i'm addressing this because you know we have so many friends and family members and co-workers who are uh readily engaging in movies so it could be for many of us a good channel to make connections and even witness and share the gospel and so and if you are parents if you are youth group teachers uh you are dealing with a generation, right, when it comes to our children and teenagers, that is um, going to be uh, exposed to uh, modern movies. Um, and and that's not something that we can, I think, realistically completely avoid. If anything, I think we should equip them with the right tools to be discerning and not simply let culture do all the talking, but inform them with scripture and how they should engage with culture scripturally. So that's a case for getting into this topic um, as well. Now, here are some additional sort of objections, perhaps, or concerns that Christians might raise when it comes to uh, watching movies these days. Um, and John Frame addresses these, and I just want to quickly uh, run through them uh, for you because these are good questions and concerns. So the first one, very common one, is what about all the graphic violence right, that is portrayed on the, on the big screen? Now, uh, that concern is, I think, legitimate, but we do have to understand there is mixed uh, stats when it comes to uh, how violent movies influence teenage behavior. The evidence for that direct correlation isn't as clear. Uh, what's really needed is uh, parental involvement and monitoring of the, the kind of media that children are uh, involved in and the kind of relationships that children get involved with. Uh, parents do need to be involved in that. That much is uh, clear. But the influence that uh, violent content has on violent behavior, that's not uh, a sufficient reason, I think, to uh, abstain from uh, these kinds of movies. I actually, personally speaking, uh, 
remember watching a lot of Hong Kong action movies growing up as a kid, like China Fat movies uh, with my parents, actually. I think my dad was a China Fat uh, fan. <laughs> but, uh, and, and that would lead to maybe a little bit of playful imitation uh, when I'm playing in the playground or playing with my brother at home. But it really has never led me to actual violent tendencies. Um, I think that's something that I was clearly educated in and uh, raised in just understanding that violence um, is not good and uh, and, I, and I should be and I, and I should keep my hands to myself that's something that just my parents taught me and movies didn't really have any uh, way of uh, undoing that that kind of teaching that I received from my parents and again I think uh, if we approach even these sorts of movies with a proper critical lens so for example understand teaching them the uh, the children for example the reality of war and the horrors of war and this is why we want to avoid wars as much as possible uh it could be a teaching moment and of course from coming from a biblical perspective understanding that yeah the real horrifying outworking of our sinful nature is gore and violence and therefore uh, we need God to subdue our sinful natures and give us a new heart. And speaking of which, uh, there's quite a bit of uh, uh, violence and graphic violence, I would say, even in, in the Old Testament. And God did not uh, keep that from his people and his people's children because it had teaching value. And so it's really about how parents uh, convey that to their children and give them a proper pers- biblical perspective on on these things uh, just showing them that you know this is what the fall has done to us and um, this kind of violence this is why God's judgment sometimes can also appear violence because the the outworking of our sinful nature is even more violent it's it, it's uh, it's horrific and it, d- it demands a just uh, subduing of that and overcoming of that. So there's that. And then the, the other uh, maybe related concern is what about all the sexual scenes um, that s- could, you know, uh, excite lust, you know, and, uh, and tempt people into lusting. And I think that's a very, another very good point. Um, and if these scenes or images have that effect on you, I think uh, you should not go to these movies unless you have some mastery over that temptation but this is again not a problem for every christian and this is something we have to understand uh i actually have a friend who's a art major uh from college and he had to just paint uh day after day after day after day uh just real human models and for him uh nudity just does not have any any kind of effect uh, on him it doesn't excite him in the least because that was just part of his craft um, the human body is just that it's a, it's a human body but of course that's not going to be the same for some other people and so we do have to give uh, room for uh, personal application to come into play here and personal conscience now what about people who say you know it's what what disturbs me is is the fact that these actors and actresses can perform these things on screen. It seems like they're, in a way, like um, 
violating the, violating their marital vows when they engage in these acts on screen with someone who's not their spouse. Um, and, and I do agree. Sometimes these so-called love scenes do cross the line. Uh, I think it, it really borders on just being sinful in and of themselves and not just acting per se. Um, and, and I don't think that's a radical thing to say. I don't think that's like some fundamentalist thing to say. I think that that's why even secular actors and actresses sometimes, right, it's part of their contract not to engage in certain acts. They have these standards for themselves because they have they have their marriages and, and it, it, it violates their conscience. So I think that's a reasonable, that's a very reasonable um, concern. The I think the, the note I will leave you here with is, you know, for, for these actors and actresses, like my friend who, who's an artist, um, these sex scenes, so-called, are, are not sexy to them. Um, the filming of it is uh, done with a lot of technicality in a room full of people, and the actual sort of private parts are not in contact with one another. Sometimes it's just uh, uh, with computer graphics and... Um, Again, what, what we are seeing it with the music and the acting and the editing is really uh, meant to you know, stimulate our senses, but uh, for the actors themselves, it's, it's really not the case. Now, again, um, I think sometimes they do cross the line, and I think uh, it's wise to either look away or not just not, not watch that kind of a movie at all. Um, and I think, again, that's something that not even... You know, even non-Christians, I think, agree with that they wouldn't play even those well-known actors and actresses and actresses will not play those roles themselves uh, for the sake of their marital commitments. Um, so, so that's something again you need to act according to your personal uh, conscience. Um, so, I think, yeah, some movie scenes uh, they are sinful in and of themselves, uh, and I, I agree with John Frame on that. Um, and you cannot justify watching it, you know. Um, and, and same goes for certain kind of violence, certain kind of gore and violence. It's just meaningless, and uh, there's no redemptive quality there. There's nothing to redeem there. And um, we'll get to sort of maybe discerning how do you how you can know that ahead of time before you walk into the theater, so you can avoid that, be more preemptive in that. Um, but I think the main thing here is just at the heart level, are you going in to watch those parts or are you going in because of the overall value of the movie, the aesthetic value of the movie? Now, um, John Frey makes an interesting point here, though, uh, as well. He says, um, quote, I would not go to a film for the purpose of watching an actor and actress in nude scenes. Thus, I avoid graphic XXX uh, movies any more than I would take a walk in the park to spy on kids making love behind the bushes, end quote. Okay, so um, he's saying, on the one hand, right, he's not going to go to a park, for example, just because there are kids hiding in bushes and making love. But at the same time, that alone is not going to be reason sufficient for him to stay out of the park permanently, okay? Um, so similarly, if actors were to commit sin, before the camera, that's on them. That's their responsibility. He, he's saying it doesn't therefore immediately translate into avoiding the entire movie as a whole or in, in, avoiding movies as a whole 
just because of a few people who decide to um, uh, misuse their their bodies. Because, I mean, when it comes to making a movie, it involves more than just two people, right? It involves the whole film crew, editing crew, sound crew, director, um, you know, graphic artists and, and computer artists and all these people. Um, and so uh, think of it as, you know, kind of John Frame's park and there are many other things you can enjoy in there. Maybe when there's something you don't enjoy and you shouldn't see, just look away. Again, that's how some people can go about this. I'm not saying that this should be imposed on every every Christian, um, but I do want you to understand that if this, if if watching certain R-rated movies or violent scenes or sex scenes bothers you, I think it's important we don't judge people who do go to the movie theaters to watch these movies because we don't know if they are looking away during these scenes and we don't know if it really, it's possible that they're not bothered by this at all. Um, Of course, we have to be mindful of how it affects us and how it desensitizes us. But again, people vary from person to person and it's important that we are examining our own hearts before we try to examine someone else's. All right. Um... Here, here's something else that's more of a more of a philosophical concern, uh, and that is, you know, how modern films can promote non-Christian thought and non-Christian philosophy and doctrine. Uh, what about that? Uh, why should we expose ourselves to that? Now, that's a another very good point, and is very true. And um, I think probably the best argument, right, against maybe uh, overexposing ourselves to just secular uh, films. Uh, this is in addition to the sex and the foul language and the violence, right? There's a worldview and a life view that's being communicated in a very subtle way sometimes. Um, even in non-violent, non-sexual films like Disney films, Pixar films, right? That can be communicating to our children a certain ungodly worldview. Um, what about what about that? So here we need some, again, some perspective here. Um, Non-Christian philosophy and worldview has been around since Genesis chapter 3. To, to, and so to avoid exposure to that, um, it's, it's again impossible. And, uh, and to avoid all, all exposure to it, it's, it's in a sense avoiding the Great Commission itself to do missions uh, to the world because you would have to avoid every secular person. And avoid all people at all times. And again, that's not being in the world. That's not being uh, a witness uh, in the world. That's not being a light in the darkness. And so what we need to do is instead of saying uh, we will never expose ourselves to anything non-Christian, we have to say we're going to expose ourselves in a wise and discerning manner and be able to articulate what is non-Christian about it. And rather than just kind of categorizing it as non-Christian. Actually, one of the uh, common things that happen in college for a lot of uh, Christian students is uh, they get exposed to things like uh, people like Nietzsche, uh, Sartre, uh, Camus, uh, these uh, atheist existentialist thinkers, Bertrand Russell and whatnot. And because uh, they are being exposed to them for the very first time, they can sound very intriguing and even attractive. Um, And I think that's unfortunate because, I mean, teachers and parents and pastors could have really engaged in these authors and exposed to them early on so that they would have been ready when they go to college to um, think critically about these people and know where they are logically flawed and know how to answer 
uh, the tough questions that might come at them. So uh, sheltering them from these thinkers, uh, atheist thinkers, is actually uh, uh, ha- can have a counter effect uh, on our students. All right, and here's uh, one uh, final concern uh, that we'll address. Someone uh, could say that uh, we should not give our... Some people might say we shouldn't give our money uh, to an industry that encourages these uh, non-Christian ideology and uh, immoral behavior and etc. Now, at first hearing, that sounds biblical, but... The Bible doesn't really require believers to uh, financially support only the industries or institutions that are moral and religiously pure, right? Uh, Jesus said, pay taxes to Caesar, and Caesar was uh, an immoral king, he was, uh, and he was kind of a cult leader, too, who, who made people worship him as uh, the Son of God. Um, Paul was okay with... Uh, uh, Corinthians, certain Corinthians buying uh, food that had been offered to idols. And, and I think this is because the Bible is realistic enough for us to uh, acknowledge that uh, not every uh, merchant doing business with us is going to be uh, a morally pure person. And so, realistically speaking, I think we are bound to do financial dealings with uh, institutions or individuals that are not uh, completely in line with our uh, ethical views. Now, there's nothing wrong with you boycotting things that you believe are, are harmful and wrong. You're free to uh, withhold your your uh, your money from from those things. Uh, at the same time, I think um, it's important to understand that Scripture doesn't require you to do that. Uh, and so it's it's not something that we can impose on other uh, believers to to do as well. And again, uh, I think if you are really technical about this, uh, it's going to be hard to find any institution or any grocery store even worth giving your money to. So um, I think all of this right really comes down to being discerning and being moderate and self-controlled as we engaged in movies. And this is the this is one of those uh, fruit of the spirit, uh, self-control. You know, we really need self-control to to be able to engage in the uh, with the world wisely. Even you know things that seem uh, innocent on the surface, even again, these uh, children movies that I'm often watching with my kids. Uh, I, I feel like sometimes they're the ones more difficult to discern in terms of uh, uh, the kind of influence it's having on our children and how to communicate to our children the um, the hidden sort of under, underlying message. And that's a challenge that we all have to face. And we have to, therefore, be um, thoughtful rather than just letting them watch whatever, however much they want, be be uh, moderate in that, be self-controlled in that, and teach self-control to our children as well. So we're ultimately uh, pleasing God. We're ultimately uh, uh, enjoying God through um, His creation, through His, his creatures created in His image, 
and also discerning that uh, uh, on this side of heaven, uh, there's a lot of brokenness and fallenness that we have to be aware of and be able to, to discern. Now, just a final note before I close about just engaging in culture in general. We talked about movie very in a more narrow and specific way, but what about just culture in general? Um, John Frame makes a very uh, important point in, in this chapter called Film and Culture where uh, he describes, uh, he, he actually uses another uh, theologian who describes film as a cultural mirror a cultural mirror, meaning a, it's a very telling reflection of the world we live in, of, of its contemporary attitudes, values, and lifestyles. And I think um, the relationship between film and culture is really, um, therefore, meaningful for that reason and valuable for this reason. It tells us uh, the story that our culture is trying to tell. It tells us more about the people we need to witness to and the kind of message that they are, they are led to, to believe in a, in a more general way. For example, who is their uh, hero and uh, what is the problem that they're being saved from? You know, where's their hope and uh, what, what does heaven mean to them? What does hell mean to them? Uh, who are the antagonists and who are the protagonists in the story that they believe that they're living in? Um, where do they turn for truth? What is their sacred text? The, the sort of infallible the, uh, moral compass, uh, where, where do they get that from? And so uh, it's almost like just as scripture right, tells us who God is and tells us who we were meant to be, films serves as a medium of culture to tell us what our world thinks of themselves, what the world thinks even of God, and how we are to engage with them. And if, if there are things that we need to correct for them in a loving way, what is it? What is it, what is it that we have to correct? Uh, what is it that we have to address? Of course, there's a lot to say here. But um, in, again, I'm trying to be concise here. He gets into a lot of details about the philosophical development in the, in the past few decades and how that has influenced modern-day culture. But, but I think I, I just want to summarize it for you uh, this way, that in films, we can definitely see traces of uh, moral relativism or secular dogmas. At the same time, uh, because we are dealing with Filmmakers and artists who are created in the image of God, they will oftentimes be traces, traces of Christian ideas, of biblical ideas even that come from non-Christians. And um, as, as people of God, we need to be discerning of uh, which is which. And that, of course, means our own discipleship and our familiarity with God's word and his truth. And I think the handling of this, right, the uh, ability to discern this will have a lot of, uh, will, will be the main factor in whether you are able to engage in a certain movie or not. Uh, I really think it's not a good idea for you to be watching a whole lot of horror movies when you don't have a clear sense of how to discern between Christian and non-Christian worldview. I don't think it's a good idea for you to be engaging in a whole lot of Disney movies 
children animations when you don't have a clear understanding of the 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 subtext the the story underneath the story that's being told um, I think you do have to approach it with moderation and think deeply about each one before you just kind of in, just introduce your children to the next one so uh, as we continue this series we're going to get into that a bit more what are the questions we can be asking of these films and that's something we'll talk about tomorrow but for for today i I hope it was uh, helpful just to get into uh, the general idea of the importance of moderation and acting according to your personal conscience and conviction when it comes to engaging in movies and uh, that we cannot really be completely detached from the secular world because we're in it and we're called to be in it And not only to be in it, but to be a light in that darkness and to be a city on that hill. So, uh, yeah, I hope that for those of you who are movie fans, that you consider that to be a missional channel where you can do that. And I hope you will um, continue to think along these lines uh, with me, especially while we're sheltering in place and watching a lot of things on the the screen. Um, Yeah, let's be thoughtful. Let's be uh, mindful and discerning and as Paul says whether you eat or drink do it all for the glory of God whether you watch a TV show or a movie let's do that uh, for the glory of God as well